You're listening to The Road to Philanthropy with Gary Cohn, a podcast series on giving and working with nonprofits. This podcast is produced by Painted Rock Advisors, a consulting hub providing services to the philanthropic and nonprofit communities. We bring together your values and wealth with opportunities to do good work and make the world a better place. What can we do to help you? Contact us at paintedrockadvisors at gmail.com. Hi, this is Gary Cohn. Welcome to The Road to Philanthropy, a podcast series on everything in the nonprofit and philanthropic worlds. Thank you for joining us. We've had a few sessions on major gift fundraising, foundations, and nonprofit institutions. Today, we turn to those who serve nonprofits and foundations. Our guest today is Kelney Denebine, Group Director and Senior Vice President at Signature Bank. Kelney specializes in banking nonprofit institutions and foundations, as well as being active on nonprofit boards herself. She joined Signature Bank in 2017 after over 16 years as managing director at First Republic Bank. Her clients are in San Francisco, New York, Los Angeles, and anywhere you'll find nonprofits. Kelney also spent eight years in the corporate development world at San Francisco Symphony. She's a graduate of UC Berkeley, Go Bears, and has her MBA from the Golden Gate University in San Francisco. Welcome, Kelney. Thank you, Gary. It's my pleasure to be here. Why don't you give us a little bit of a story about how you uh, made your pathway from UC Berkeley to your work in the nonprofit sector? So my path actually started way before I went to Cal with being raised by parents who were very philanthropic, not only with money, but with their time. And it was just expected of my siblings and me to give back to our community, whether it was being a candy striper when we were teenagers or becoming a Cub Scout or Girl Scout. I was a San Francisco Symphony docent when I was in college, and I'm a very social person. So when I graduated from Cal, I decided I needed to find organizations where I could meet new friends. So I became a board member of my high school alumni association. I joined the junior committee of the San Francisco Symphony League. And most importantly, I became a junior league member, which is a national organization of women whose sole purpose is to learn and be trained to be volunteers. Wow, that's great. I didn't realize your philanthropic work went so far back. That's, that's terrific. It did. <laughs> You come from a San Francisco banking family and you ended up in the family business. How did that happen? (laughs) Very cleverly by my father, who was not a demanding man, but he was very clever in his loyally way to convince me to take the path that he thought was best for me. So during the summers of high school and college, we were always expected to get jobs during our summer vacations. And he made it seem very impressive for me to get a job at his bank because he would arrange the interview. And if I could prove myself, that would be the best way for me to get a job. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take this challenge and I'm going to prove to him that I'll be a perfect employee. So for every summer during high school and college, I worked at his bank in various positions, depending on how old I was and what the needs were at the time. I was a banker at one time myself, and the way I got into banking was my twin brother was dating a woman from synagogue, and her father was the president of a bank. I found to talk to him about the career in banking, and he said, well, you know, we could use you here, (laughs) so you never know. (laughs) But it also goes to show you what connections and what networking can do. Absolutely. Find a but I was determined not to be a lawyer or be like my father. So when I went to college, I majored in exercise physiology, thinking I would be a physical therapist. When I volunteered, 
during my junior year in physical therapy, I knew this was not the profession for me, but I was so far along in my major that I graduated with this degree, moved back home and thought, oh, what am I going to do with my life? Well, my parents didn't give me much time. They said, you need to find a job and move out of here. (laughs) So I figured, well, I've had all this experience working in banks So I went to the yellow pages. I'm sure people today are not quite sure what the yellow pages are. Looked under banks and in alphabetical order, called all the banks to try and get a job interview. And lo and behold, California Canadian Bank invited me for an interview and hired me that day. And that launched me into my banking career. Oh, terrific. Uh, You ended up with a niche in nonprofit institutions. How did that come about? I worked for several banks throughout the 1970s and 80s in San Francisco, New York, and then in Omaha, Nebraska. But in the early 90s, my husband then and I moved back to San Francisco and the banking job market was pretty much closed down. My mother was an active volunteer with the San Francisco Opera Guild, and they needed somebody to help transfer their accounting books to a computer. So they hired me to do that. And that gave me experience working at my first nonprofit full time. But then my dad and his brothers were opening up a new bank and needed a cash management expert. And they asked me if I would uh, work for this new bank and start a cash management department. So I got back into banking and did that for about six years. And in the meantime, had three children, always had a nanny or an au pair taking care of them. And one day my nanny just quit and decided to get married and move away. So I thought, okay, now is a good time for me to be a full-time mom. And I did that after about six months, I was got completely bored, reached out to the San Francisco Symphony and volunteered in their corporate development department, which moved into a part-time job. And then once my youngest child was in school all day, I work for them full-time doing corporate development. Yeah, I had pegged you for a rock musician fan, but you're actually like classical too, huh? Well, my parents were big opera fans. Mm. So I loved opera and I loved music and ballet. I I took ballet lessons for 10 years growing up. So I, I loved all those cultural events. That's great. I was getting divorced, decided I needed to get a job that paid better than the San Francisco Symphony. And uh, First Republic Bank was a new and up and coming bank in San Francisco. So I thought, well, they don't really know me. I'll reach out to them to see if I I'll send my resume in to try and get a job. And it was the bank that asked me to be a banker for nonprofits because they loved all my nonprofit experience. So that's how I got into that niche. Um, I, I didn't realize that. That's a, that's a great introduction to the the work you do. So now we'll get back to what excites you about that work that you're doing now. As I said, I love uh, meeting new people, making new friends, and I love to learn the unique types of businesses that nonprofits are. I get excited when I listen to their challenges um, that each one may be facing, what their needs are, what is lacking in their current banking relationship, and then coming up with advice or ideas, solutions, even introducing them to other types of uh, professionals that may be helpful for them, that gives me pure pleasure in my job. So you moved to Signature Bank a couple of years ago. Tell us a little bit about Signature Bank. We don't know a lot about it on the West Coast yet. Right. It's a New York headquartered bank. We've reached $70 billion in assets. 
we're a commercial bank with the primary focus in banking businesses. It was started by a group of executives 20 years ago who worked for another bank in New York that was a mix of branch banking and private client groups. And what they found out was that the private client groups are not only profitable for the bank versus branches, but that the clients really felt like they were banking at a small community bank where their private client group knew them and took care of them. And it was a single point of contact for the clients. So they decided that this new bank, Signature Bank, would um, only work with private client groups. At the time that I was at First Republic, I built this nonprofit client base of nonprofits, which are our businesses with a tax exemption. I knew I needed to find a new bank that focused on business products and services. And that's why I switched to Signature Bank. Now, in the nonprofit sector, do you handle all types of nonprofits or do you specialize in one area of nonprofits? At first, I specialized in banking independent schools. And, and the reason being is First Republic Bank is primarily a bank for high net worth individuals. And they felt that if I banked the schools, it would introduce the parent community to uh, First Republic to get their her 16 years there, I started banking all kinds of nonprofits. Today, I would say it's a real mix of theaters, very few schools now. It's very hard to change a banking relationship. So I, it's more of a mix now. You've been a leader in the nonprofit community for many, many years and different levels. What drives you uh, today? What keeps you excited about your work? Thank you for this accolade. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the people and their passions to make our communities a better place. And, and this is both in social services, spiritual, educational, culturally, uh, that I get to work with. And I feel really blessed to have a career that utilizes my expertise and wisdom in banking, yet gives me the sense that I too am making a difference in the community. Working with your nonprofit clients, important role that you play for them. Obviously, it's not just taking their money and handling it. Truly their trusted advisor. I don't really think of myself as just a banker, product and a service for the client. Myself as an advocate within the bank for them. For example, if a client needs a loan to, let's say, buy a building or construct a new building, my job is to find the right lender who can loan, ask the questions that the client wants to ask, but always doesn't think about it or know to ask those questions. A perfect example is when in about 2010, 2011, when banks were allowed to make tax exempt loans to nonprofits, my job was to one, learn about them, bring them to the nonprofit, explain the benefits, pros and cons, and then be their liaison within the bank during this very arduous process of borrowing money. In the many relationships you've had, uh, is there a favorite uh, one or two stories you can tell us about favorite clients of yours? Favorite clients? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, um, I, the most uh, grateful client I have came with a really good story. A private girls' school in San Francisco, and it was right after 9-11, the girls decided to raise money to send to the firemen in New York City. And what they did was they collected pennies. This particular school had two banking relationships at very big banks in San Francisco. And when all the pennies were collected, 
CFO of the school, I guess, went to the both banks to ask how they can deposit these pennies and get a check to mail to New York. Neither bank would do it without one charging $300 to get an armored car to pick up the pennies. The other one said, we have no way of counting these pennies. We're sorry, we can't help you. Well, one of the dads was the treasurer of the bank where I worked. He says, tell me, what can we do? I'll go pick up those pennies. So I grabbed a colleague, drove to the school, picked up the pennies. I called the manager of our closest branch to the school. He goes, tell me, we can't count those. Well, the chairman of the bank said, go buy a coin counter. So the manager went out, bought a coin counter. I delivered the pennies. We counted the coins. And then I got the bank to match the amount, issue a cashier's check, and I drove it to the school and delivered it to them. Wow! And from that experience, they moved all their banking to me. So that's my favorite story that I like to tell. This is why having a banker who understands nonprofits is so important for these types of organizations. Yeah, in the world today, you know, there's so much automation that have gone on in in business in general, in banking in particular. Uh, you go into a branch. I went to a Chase recently, and I wanted to get a cashier's check, and they said, I, "We don't do that here. We only take deposits." So I'm going, "Oh my goodness, <laughs> that is very weird." Oh. Okay, you know, yeah, to, to give personalized service like that, I think that's what differentiates any business from another business is what kind of service are you getting? Uh, how do you make your client feel? Uh, how do you make your client feel? Uh, and you seem to really have a, a good good handle on that. Yeah, and it's really understanding the nuances of the nonprofit, um, working with the staff and a volunteer board of directors and making changing signature cards easy or thinking about donations and a stock donation account would be very helpful and do you know you can have that at a bank and make it easy to automatically sell the stock and put the money into your operating account? It's about all the nuances. And I think that's really appreciated by nonprofits. In a time where COVID has impacted the world uh, and certainly the way we live, how has it impacted your bank and, and your clients? COVID-19 has finally gotten people to get over the fact they don't need their bank down the street for so long. They're like, well, you're not on, you're not nearby or you don't have branches all over the place. And I would say you don't really need to go into the bank. COVID-19 has really stepped that up. So clients are becoming much more comfortable in doing mobile deposits. Um, Our bank offers the use of any ATM machine in the world to get cash and we rebate the fees. That seems to have gotten much more comfortable. From the client perspective, very positive experience. Their impact as a banker has been getting PPP loans for my clients and being successful at it. It's taken up most, most of my time over this past year with COVID-19. It's been incredibly successful for me where it hasn't been for a lot of nonprofits at other banks. Probably have seen their revenues drop off considerably during this period of time. Special arrangements other than e-loans that you can uh, that you can suggest for nonprofits. Definitely talk to your banker. If you don't have a banker, switch your banking relationship. Things we've done is allowed our larger nonprofits to pay interest only on their loans and not worry about the principal. Working really hard to get them PPP loans and it making them understand all the rules and to get as much as they can. It's been really tough. It's all about flexibility as a banker and really understanding their position and 
communication is the most important thing between a client and a banker, especially during times like this. I had a young, uh, when, I, when I was a young banker, I had a, a mentor in the bank I worked at. And the guy's behind on his loan. You want to get him to give you money every week. He keeps seeing you, that loan paid off. But if you don't see him, you forget about him. You don't communicate with him. You're really in trouble. Talking yesterday with a number of administrators, five of them who are retired and two of them that are still working in large synagogues across the country. Uh, and they were, we had a long talk about government loans and government funding of churches and synagogues. And uh, mm -hmm. both, uh, both of the synagogues that were actively working took the, the government loans COVID, to the tune of a half a million dollars twice. Big debates in the nonprofit about whether to take it or not from a separation of church and state. But as they said, they qualified for it. The money was available. They weren't taking it from people that didn't need it. So, you know, they, they took the loan. And it's, yeah. And ultimately those PPP loans were to help employees. It was all about payroll. And I agree with them. Uh, the same with the schools. They were worried that they shouldn't take these loans. My feeling is if you're helping your employees continue working and you are entitled to this. And if the SBA decides you're not qualified, you give the money back. Right. I agree. The synagogue should loans. <laughs> when you're talking about uh, COVID-19 and remote working or being able to handle clients anywhere in the country, which you've been doing for a number of years, I found that true too in my consulting practice. I just picked up a client in the UK of all places. And the only challenge is just the time differences. So at three in the morning when my phone dings, it's someone from England sending me a good morning message. <laughs> that. That's great. I Yeah, I found FaceTime and Zoom to be incredibly helpful. One of the things that a banker has to do is do site inspections to make sure that they are a legitimate business, right? So I came up with the idea, well, let's just FaceTime and you can show me around to your offices. And that's worked out really well. That's another positive thing for mm. COVID is to take care of clients anywhere. Right. Tell me about uh, your work with nonprofits that I haven't asked you. Well, I think you've covered everything. Just to wrap it up, I would say that the road to philanthropy is as varied and winding as the many types of philanthropy in our world. It embraces all kinds of people and even allows bankers such as me to benefit from Takum Olam or repair the world. And I feel blessed. That's with that. You. One of my listeners wants to reach you. How do they do that? Email is kdenebeim, that's K-D-E-N-E-B-E-I-M at signatureny.com. And why is important because there's a signature bank in Chicago. They can reach me by phone at 646-802-3915. I'm also on LinkedIn and I do um, check messages on LinkedIn. Thank you very much for being our guest today. Uh, Thank you. A lot about the importance of a good banker in, your, in, a, in a nonprofit relationship. Thank you, Gary. And thank my listeners for uh, taking part in today's podcast. We have several more coming up. Uh, next month, we'll be hosting uh, Leslie Bacho from the Second Harvest Food Bank of Silicon Valley. Everybody, go out, do good work and stay healthy and safe. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We want to stay connected with you. Be sure to stay connected with our community by giving a like to our Facebook page and following our Instagram at paintedrock underscore advisors. Our podcast is available on all of your favorite platforms. We'll see you at our next release.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.